Welcome to the Homeschool Together podcast. Where one working mom and a stay-at-home dad help you navigate the nuts and bolts of the growing and dynamic world of homeschooling. With a focus on early learners. Like me! All the ins and outs of building and maintaining your homeschool life. Homeschool! Find out tips and tricks to make things like this easier. I'm reading! And ultimately, enjoy educating your kids. And what's that last thing? Have fun together! Did I do good, Daddy? (laughs) Yeah, you did, sweetie. Good job. Hello and welcome to Homeschool Together. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you have a chance, we have a bunch of links down in the show notes below. Have a chance, head down there to take a look at them. And everything that's going to be referenced on today's interview is linked down there as best I can. (laughs) The effort I always go to making things easy for everyone. Um, (laughs) It's it's valuable effort, honey. Valuable effort. I I'm, I have I have a fan base of one. <laughs> it's dedicated, 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 fa- dedicated fan. fan base of one, and kind of two tangent fan fan girls. <laughs> I feel like uh, I'm like in sync in the '90s. <laughs> Backstreet Boys, <laughs> little O town. No. Was it O town? I that was the no. Orlando one, right? Wasn't it? I I have no idea. Oh my gosh! All the ladies are are laughing right now. That I know any <laughs> of that. Anyway. Because I'm so entertaining, because Ariel is so wonderful, uh, head down and give us a review. You know what to do. Anyway, today we had a great interview with Kaylee from Love Learning Every Day YouTube channel. Um, yeah, she has a really nice Instagram as well. She does, and she's she's a homeschooling mom, uh, four and seven gifted children, um, military family. Yeah, I think this is the first military family we've interviewed, and that presents some really unique challenges for, for Kaylee. So I, I loved getting to talk with her. Um, she's got a wealth of information. She uh, has really checked into a lot of curriculums, and she uh, she's really well-versed in a lot of options and things. So it was really nice to talk with her. Um, I really appreciated our conversation. Yeah, we had, we had a nice download at the end Um that maybe all of you guys didn't, you guys didn't get to hear, but you know, it was really fun. We were talking shop about the various curriculums, Blossom and Root and Build Your Library, yeah. Torchlight. And she's um, using a few that I hadn't heard of or that I've heard of just tangentially, but uh, I didn't know too much about. And hopefully maybe we'll be able to get her to come back on the show and yep. do some curriculum reviews for us. So, you know, stay tuned for that. But this was a great interview. I love these homeschool journey interviews. I love when we get to talk with somebody who's you know, life is, is different than ours, right? Being a military family, there's a lot of uncertainty that that brings mm-hmm. and moving a lot and having to adapt. Uh, and then she has gifted kids as well. And so it, it's just, I just always appreciate these. I know it's, it seems like, uh, it almost seems like a silly thing when we contact people and say, Hey, will you share your homeschool journey with us? Because they're like, well, it's just my life. Like you just want to talk about my life. And I think it's fascinating because there's little bits of everything. We were like, Oh, you do this. Oh, we were wondering how we were going to juggle our two kids there. You know, and I know people listening at home too, are listening to these and, and finding commonalities with their families. You may find solutions to problems that you have now, or that you may come across in the future through these great interviews. And we always appreciate uh, parents who are willing to open up and talk about their lives and their mm-hmm. families and and how they homeschool, we always appreciate that. So, if any of you out there listening, you know, really love these interviews and you think you know, nobody wants to talk about my life, we would certainly love to talk with you. Always get in touch with us. Uh, we love uh, to share everyone's stories. This is a this is a community 
aspect of our mm-hmm. podcast and we really love it. So I'm going to, I'm going to shut up now uh, so that we can talk to Kaylee from love learning every day. Hi Kaylee. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. That's nice to be here. So can you give us a little bit of background about your family? Um, tell us about your kiddos and why you all chose to homeschool. Yeah. So um, we are a secular military homeschooling family currently stationed out of Maryland. We just moved. So takes me a while to get used to saying Maryland, but (laughs) yeah. So I homeschool my two suspected gifted kids. I have a seven-year-old son and a four-year-old daughter, and they both do a couple grade levels ahead in work. So, and that's mainly why we homeschool. We have two main reasons, I guess. One is academic, both in the short-term academics. I can meet them where they're at right now. I don't have Mm -hmm. to wait you know, I don't have to put them in a classroom where they have to do schoolwork associated with their peers. I can meet those needs and even each individual subjects um, where they're at, but not just in the short term. I think long-term academics is our main goal. Gifted kids tend to like fizzle out or kind of don't meet their potential, which, you know, is kind of silly to put it that way. But I know that's definitely kind of happened to me And I want my kids to be able to not have the pressure of being advanced or, you know, good at school and then all the expectations of what that takes, as well as I want them to have the, the skills that I think I lacked just with, uh, actual studying and time management, planning, all that stuff. So I think homeschool can kind of give them a well-rounded academic education through that. And then our second reason is really lifestyle wise. I don't know how familiar you guys are with the military lifestyle. We're, we're lightly familiar. We have a couple of friends in the military and we've, we've known, we, we have a, yeah, we, we have some basic knowledge. Yes. Yeah. So I think it's pretty perfect for it, but just with the military lifestyle, your spouse is always away and things can be really hard to predict with the mm-hmm. future. So um, having homeschool be as flexible it is, as it is and give us as much together time is really important as well. We've, we've kind of wondered if there is a large homeschooling, uh, like kind of a community within the military, you know, world. Is, is that true? Have you seen a lot of homeschooling or is there, a, has there been a rise of homeschooling in the military community? Yeah, I think, I think it's really prevalent. It's not hard at all for us to find like homeschool groups or anything like that. I looked up the statistics recently and I, I couldn't find anything from after COVID, but before COVID, it had the same rates as now currently, like during COVID homeschool oh. rates are for the general population. So. Oh, okay. So it's, it's wow. a little overrepresented then in, in the military. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, it, it seems reasonable because I mean, you guys may relocate often. You may have to relocate overseas. You know, we, we've heard that right. as well. And I think we've, we've interacted with a few, few listeners who I think were maybe over in Germany mm-hmm. and you know, the school, it's hard to get your, the school systems aligned there. And it might be mm-hmm. easier just to homeschool. Well, and you don't have to deal with language barriers yeah, and exactly. things. I, I'm sure it would be very disruptive to have to pull your kids out of school every, you know, two years or, you know, if station mm-hmm. changes even faster than that and, you know, reestablish it. So do you, are you able to find friendships then through the homeschool community that, that your kids are able to kind of do like remotely because the kids are in, in different duty stations or is that, is that still a process of making new friends each time you get to a, a new location? So at this point, um, just with their ages, since they're still relatively young, we mostly do just in person and they just make new friends. 
but I imagine that'll, there'll be a lot more like Skype calls and stuff like that in the future. (laughs) So you said about your kids that you, you suspect that they're gifted. What, what is it that first clued you in that you thought that maybe this is going to be that they're going to need to work ahead in grade levels? Uh, You know, what was, what were those uh, indicators that you had that they might be gifted students? Right. So my son, he, both of my kids, I think presented differently, but my son at like two, he was very into puzzles and he could do a hundred piece puzzle. And once he would do a puzzle, then he would want to do it upside down, like not looking at the pictures, just looking at the shapes. (laughs) And he had all, he was always really academically interested too. I know that's not true for like all gifted kids, but he knew all his letters pretty much since he could talk and I think he just knew that from puzzles and, you know, talking to him and stuff, but there was a lot of things like that. He couldn't know, he knew how to read a lot of words before I like tried to teach him. So, and then same with my daughter, like now she's, she's four and she was a lot more linguistically advanced, I guess she, um, like currently she reads books at night for like an hour after she goes to bed. Cause she's just, I don't know. She's always been really into reading. So Um, I guess I've never had them formally tested, so I don't know for sure, but, uh, at this point there doesn't seem to be a benefit to doing that. Right. It's not like you have to take them into the school system and prove that they're gifted so that they can get placed in special classes and all of that. You can kind of, and maybe is it, is it true that, you know, like maybe your daughter is more linguistically gifted, but maybe she's, she's working not quite as high in math. So, I mean, that's the other thing we can kind of tailor. I think the school system wants them to be like gifted in everything or not gifted at at anything, right? Like it's an all or nothing system. Yeah. I think I found that most true with like handwriting. Both of my kids did not want anything to do with physically writing things down. So we'd be doing like math books or anything like that. And I would be doing the writing. I still do that for my daughter. My son is more into writing now. And I think that's just because, you know, even if they're working, doing advanced work, they're still, you know, four. (laughs) So (laughs) it's not like every part of them is advanced, you know? That's right. So, so how did you, when you, so you're seeing your kids are excelling, um, you know, you're getting excited, you know, as every parent would be is starting to do the educational thing. Have you decided to follow a certain type of homeschooling philosophy? Is there something that your, your children have gravitated towards? So I would say we're fairly eclectic. I mean, there's definitely things from Charlotte Mason and classical Waldorf and stuff that we all like, but we're pretty eclectic, I would say. Yeah. I think the biggest thing for us that is not really a philosophy, but it's like our family philosophy, I guess, is just don't wait. You know, if we have the means and the opportunity or if they have like the interest and the ability, then we do it. So that goes from anything from traveling. They've like, we've been, I mean, part of being a military family is traveling a lot. So they've been all over and done, had a lot of great opportunities. And we just try not to think about things too much. It's just, if we have the ability, we're going to do it now. And I mean, that goes to playing board games as well. We play a ton of board games. Mm -hmm. We don't wait for them to be the age that's required on the games, you know? They see us play them and then they want to play them. And then for like teaching them to read, you know, everything. It's like, we just don't wait. We just jump full force into everything, I think. <laughs> well, and I think that's a very popular methodology. You know, we've interviewed a lot of parents on on the podcast and they've all kind of fallen into this kind of eclectic, you know, grouping where they do a little bit of everything. Um, and we've had a chance to interview some unschoolers as well. And they kind of follow that intrinsic motivation as kind of the centerpiece. And it sounds like you 
you know, you just go after it um, whenever it's available. So does that mean that when you're doing a curriculum, like, you know, you've purchased a year curriculum and you, you know, your kids are kind of interested in something else. Do you, do you pause that and go after what they're interested in now? Or are are you like, no, I want to see this through. I I bought this thing. I mean, it's really hard. I I, I have a hard time when like, it's like, no, I purchased this. (laughs) We want to use a little bit. Yeah. I think, I think it depends on the subject and like what we have time for. I'm learning now, now that we're kind of getting more back out in the world with things opening up and being in a new area and stuff, we have less time, but before like in the thick of COVID (laughs) always at our house, we just always had time to pursue those types of things anyway, that we wouldn't have to like get rid of things. I think it's like, now I'm at the point where I'm like, is this really necessary? Is this, you know, adding to our life or is this taking away from what could happen? What kinds of uh, curriculum do you, do you utilize in your homeschool? We definitely use all secular curriculum. I tried religious curriculum before just most homeschoolers. Yeah, I would say most homeschoolers are religious, Mm -hmm. um, which is great. And I always thought, you know, I'll just omit the parts that don't work for us. But I think a lot of times it goes a lot deeper into values and stuff. Like I can read a paragraph in a curriculum and I'll be able to tell you right away if it's secular or religious, you know? So now at this point, I don't, I don't buy anything, not, um, secular, Mm -hmm. but yeah. So we, I'm definitely a curriculum junkie. I feel like we probably, (laughs) are we are, we are are curators of quality (laughs) educational materials. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, So, um, for math, we do Singapore dimensions math for both of them. And then my son also does beast Academy online. My daughter will probably start next year, like in the fall sometime. I just want that to be a more independent thing. I could probably help her now, but I'm hoping she'll be able to do it more independently at that age. And then um, we, for language arts, she just does explode the code right now, just so I feel a little bit better about getting her some like phonics help, (laughs) you know, because some, the curriculum we were using before was a little bit tedious for where she was at. It just seemed to take more time than was necessary. So explode the code was nice, quick one. And then my son, uh, because he's a really great reader, he doesn't, he doesn't need any phonics help and stuff. So he's, um, using Michael Clay Thompson for, you know, like grammar and poetry, vocabulary, all that. And then we're also doing around the world, like you guys, Mm. (laughs) Cool. We started out doing Blossom and Root. I mean, not Blossom and Root. We started out doing Torchlight and Build Your Library like you guys, but now I've pretty much just minimized it to like your videos and stuff like that. Cause <laughs> I just, <laughs> I don't have the time for all of the stuff. I just want the videos and the books and recipes and you guys provide that. So that's great. <laughs> well, we're, we're happy to be of service. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. You know, when we started it, it was such a big you know, enterprise when we began and we were hitting yeah. every single country. And I think we're realizing there's kind of a middle ground where we're batching countries now that are more reasonable. Like we're doing Southeast Asia right now. And we're like, mm-hmm. there's no reason to do Laos for one week and then Cambodia for but, another week. It's yes. just we batching that whole region yeah. together and kind of getting the, the general feel. And I think that's when we finally finish it. And I think we do a final review on it. I think that's going to be our, our main feedback. Yeah. I think, I, I think I'd rather pick like, I, 
you know, a couple handfuls of countries that we're really interested in rather than maybe do everything because it is a lot. But I think it's funny because when we come back around to this in, in three years, when our younger daughter is old enough, we do it again. I think we're just going to look back at our own videos yeah, and be like, oh, yeah, those this. were the books. Yeah, that was the this. recipe. Oh, that was tasty. We should make that again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'm definitely seeing that we're it's so hard because I don't want to skip anything. But I know, also with, I know. with with moving recently, it's like there was a solid two months. We didn't do any of that because I wasn't going to the library, you know, so to get mm-hmm. books. And that's where most of our <laughs> books came from. So, <laughs> yeah, it's hard. I don't fully know what I'm going to do. I think I'm going to condense. And yeah, I don't know. <laughs> we might finish this summer or we might go into like next winter. But we are far behind. <laughs> Yeah, it's hard to stay on track. And I think for us, we're constantly feeling this push of like wanting to continue and uh, keep going. And as much as we're enjoying the around the world, we kind of want to get through that so that we can then start on prehistory. We're really excited to get into prehistory. And uh, I'm really excited to do ancient civilizations. And I have a feeling (laughs) there will be more videos of us being like, all right, we tried to do everything in prehistory. Okay, here was the (laughs) best stuff. (laughs) Because I always have this vision that we're going to do it all. And of course I'm going to add more books from the library who would not. Yeah. <laughs> and then I find that I'm like buried in stuff. And I don't know how much our kids get out of that when I have too, too many resources. There is such yeah. a thing. Over, over right. Down. Gasp as too many resources. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I had a question regarding um, your, your kids. Like you, you had this philosophy of, you know, Oh, my, my children have an interest in this or um, I, you know, and I, and I chase after it and that's, you know, very reasonable. Do you go all year round? You know, how do you, bring in the next stuff like you know you're, you said your kids are moving through things fast you know do you bring in new materials ready for them to go you know right into or you know is there a, a flow for your year as you're trying to you know it sounds like your kids have like they're a well and they're very deep and you can fill it up as much as possible <laughs> how, how do you handle that yeah so i i wouldn't go that far they're not okay. you know like just begging me to do math homework you know but okay. yeah we definitely just school whenever we can. It's a little bit different now that we're in Maryland, just because they have, like, we have to come up with a portfolio and stuff. So we are going to have a set start and end date. Whereas in Georgia, it was just like, I had to write to the school and be like, Hey, we're homeschooling, you know? And then it was just all up to me. I didn't think about that, having to just totally meet a new state's requirements every time you move. I didn't, it didn't occur to me. I think we are going to have more, at least an end date for them to look at our portfolio, but I still plan on if we have the opportunity, we'll school just with how much a vacation that we get or how many times we don't live by either of our family members. So I'm not going to do school when my mom comes and visits or stuff like that. So we still take quite a bit of breaks and they're very much unplanned just because I feel like our life can't really be planned out very well. But so that means we have to kind of do school when we can. So, you know, with things being kind of chaotic, are you, are you mostly kind of homeschooling and being a single parent while your husband is, is away or is it, is it enough back and forth that you're able to kind of like share some of your homeschooling duties? I would say we have to have like two routines, one when he's gone and one when he's here. And it really depends. I think being in the military is so varied by your job, where you're stationed, by what you're currently doing, you know, like who's in charge of you. So it's varied a lot in his career, <laughs> like what, yeah. how we make that work, but it's mostly just different 
just different routines. So a lot of times, like my husband's about to leave for five months at the end of the year. So then I will be a single parent. I mean, I don't like saying single parent because I don't have to worry about money or anything like that. So it's not in the Mm -hmm. same, you know, vein, but um, when he is here, he's really good at teaching. If he gets home and I have not finished school, he'll like start helping them or um, he's a lot better than me at teaching them through life. Like we just went to the Smithsonian National History Museum in DC Mm -hmm. this weekend. And I think we spent like three hours in the dinosaur exhibit, like just the dinosaur exhibit, because he was just like telling them every little thing. And (laughs) I'm good with the more like relaxed style. And he's just very, he'll answer all their questions and like dive super deep. Like he's really good at teaching in the moment and everything. Okay. So I think we're a good team for the most part. No, absolutely. Have you found there to be um, co-ops and things that you can um, get into? Obviously COVID is, is, is the outlier, Mm -hmm. but um, maybe before COVID, if you could remember back, were you able to take your kids to a lot of enrichment activities or are you planning to now that everything's opening back up, getting them into maybe a co-op or into, you know, some other type of, you know, enrichment activities? Right. Yeah. So I feel like we're still balancing what's looked right. I think before COVID, we were a little too busy. You know, we did like jujitsu three times a week and then, you know, soccer and basketball and nature class and all this stuff. And I think it was like, it was kind of a nice break, you know, and now I'm realizing my kids, they need a lot more social interaction than like I do. I would be fine just being at home, you know, always. But so I think it's, we're trying to find that balance so far. We've signed up for boy Scouts here. Um, I've been talking with a secular co-op, but it's 30 minutes away. So I'm trying to decide if we're going to join that one, um, which might not seem that bad, but I hate to drive. So, (laughs) um, and yeah, and like sports and things. So we'll see my daughter will do girl Scouts when she's a little bit older. She's still at an age where there's not a ton for her to do. No, no, I, I understand. Yeah. We we've, we're starting to hit that stride where we have the, you know, the parent partnership we're doing soccer. Now it's starting to swell in, uh, yeah. in time yeah. and commitments. How do you manage, you know, the, the two children, you know, on the day to day, maybe let's get into what your, your day looks like. You know, what, what, what is it when you wake up, you know, are these kids sleeping into 12? There's some people, people we've interviewed that they sleep into 11 o'clock and I don't understand these people. But <laughs> we're up at toddler 30 every morning. Yeah, yeah, it's it's six 30 so. and she's screaming, come and get me. You know, it's like, you know, so <laughs> what does your day look like? How do you manage both kids? How do you move between them when you're doing the curriculums? How do you, and, and I'm, I'm asking selfishly for, for my own part. I, I want to know how you're doing this because I'm about to have to start doing this. So. <laughs> yeah. So I don't think we start very early at all. Ideally, I would like to wake up early. I would say most of the time it doesn't happen though. I'll wake up at like seven and get like an hour to myself normally. So, and that I'll do like, you know, take care of the animals, clean up, maybe set some things out. And then they come downstairs and normally they start with watching like an educational show. So we're also doing, um, an animal unit with blossom and root. that we're really liking. So they're watching wild crats in the morning while I make their breakfast. And then once their breakfast is ready and their episode is done, then we start our read aloud. Right now we're reading 
the Westing game. That's really fun, by the way. We have like a whole board of trying to like solve the murder and stuff. So that's really fun. Mm. And then um, after that, we might do some of our around the world stuff. If I have that ready, either reading from some of our spines or maybe watching some videos or reading some picture books, depending on what's available. And that can take a while. Oh, and recently we've started that they have a journal and they can journal for 10 minutes. So, and they can write just whatever they want. Most of the time, my daughter just like colors and my son is currently writing his like ideal video game and like making the characters for it. So it's not very (laughs) intense or anything. Um, And then we kind of take a break and they'll normally play a board game normally separately. They'll each get a board game out and then I'll switch between them. Um, And by by that time, it's probably like 1030 or so. And then, then I switch between them. So I'll start doing Michael Clay Thompson with my son and then he gets a break and he can play with the board game. And then I'll do math with my daughter and then, and that's Singapore. And then I'll do Singapore with my son and then I'll do explode the code with her. And then we'll take a break, go to the park. What's nice living on a military community is there's, you know, like 10 parks within walking distance. It's really family friendly. So we'll go to a couple parks and then head back. They'll eat lunch. And that's probably about like one maybe. And then he'll do his computer school. So that's Beast Academy online and Night Zookeeper, which is like a writing program, like a game. And I will do, I'll work with my daughter on like reading, like we'll just read a book together. And then we might work on science or history if I have that prepared. If not, then, you know, we'll end the day there. And that'll be like two or three. And that's when my husband comes home. So that's, that's kinda... re- no, that's really interesting because I, I'm trying to understand how to, how you, yeah, how people balance the two. I think that's always, you know, interesting to hear that. I know with my daughter, um, who's the, my youngest, she can kind of just play and, and, you know, play with Barbies and stuff like that. Why my, my oldest is, is doing her stuff. And, and it, I'd like to get, you know, going around 10, eight, nine in the morning. I'm, you know, can be done around 1130 with everything, you know, and we have the rest of the day that's kind of free and enriching, or I can do a little bit more in the afternoon. So it's cool to hear, here you're able to balance all that. Um, what does your homeschool space look like? Are you everywhere in the house? Are you at the kitchen table? Do you have a homeschool room? You know, what does that look like for you? Yeah. So when we lived in Georgia, so, you know, just a couple months ago, we had, I think my ideal homeschool setup, like I painted it and it was our house and now we're living on post. So it's just like renting and everything's beige and more boring. <laughs> but um, so we used to have like a, a dedicated room. It was the formal dining room. So very much still a part of like the downstairs and the living area. Now it's still kind of, it's more of our house is really strange here, but it's just a really long, great room. So like at one end is our TV. And then at the other end is our like playroom. And there's like a, a library area and there's like a dining room area in there too. But Mm -hmm. So it's very much still part of the living space, but it means we have to be more tidy than we were at the old house. (laughs) Is there anything that you have in your homeschool space or that's something that you use that is, you know, you can't live without? Like, for example, I, 
for me, it's crates. I'll always talk about crates. <laughs> um, I always have to keep things in crates. crates. I live by the crates, uh, die by the crates, <laughs> you know? <And> so <laughs> is there something in your space that, that you, you know, you can't live without? I talked with my kids about this and they were both adamant. We needed everything, but I think, <laughs> I think I would probably say like board games, I guess. Cause like everything else, like mostly we use books and I mean, like you don't need board games to have fun, right? Like we played mm-hmm. board games before we homeschooled and stuff. Um, but like, I can't get those, or at least I can't get the good ones from the library. You know, even if you mm-hmm. have a good library where you can like rent some board games, it's always like monopoly or something, yeah. but so Whereas you can rent, I mean, you can get pretty much any book from the library. I mean, depending on your library system. So I would definitely say I would be very sad without our board game collection. <laughs> okay. Sure. Well, well, you know, Word. that, that, Word. that led into a really, you know, great spot here. You know, what are the top board games that you guys are playing right now with your kids? Yeah. Maybe so, the top two or three. Yeah. We really like, okay. I'm trying to think we've played pandemic a lot recently, <laughs> which, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, but oh. we just won our first game yeah. in a long, oh my God. long while it's, because yeah, it's it very hard, hard to win sometimes, yeah. especially with two. It is like, it's very we thought, we thought it was time. It was, it felt too soon earlier, but we thought it was time <laughs> the other day and we won and we were like, Oh, we yeah. won. Yeah. We, we like kind of cheated one last time we played, like what we were doing didn't work. We're like, okay, let's go back three turns and like <laughs> figure it out. Um, but yeah, we, we got that just to kind of do like get them more familiar with places around the world and Mm -hmm. it's cooperative. So I feel like you can introduce kids. I would say my four-year-old struggles a little bit with it for the duration of the whole game, but Mm -hmm. I definitely like it. And then we really like this puzzle game called Ubongo. At least that's how I pronounce it. I'm not sure if Mm. I'm saying it wrong. Have you guys played that? No, no, no. So it's basically like you have all these little Tetris pieces and you roll the die. It tells you which pieces you have to use to like solve this shape puzzle. And there's two levels. So you can either play with putting in three pieces or putting in four pieces and there's a timer. And as long as you complete your puzzle in the timer, you get a gem. But if you're first, you get like an additional gem. And if you're second, you get an additional gem. So it's good because even if you lose every time, you can still win the game just by luck because each gem is worth different points, you know, and you're like reaching in for a mystery gem and everybody can play it at different levels. And it's just like a fun, quick logic game that we really like. So I highly recommend that one. Well, Ariel's putting it on the wish list right now. I think we're going to give that one a try. Mm-hmm. We always love the puzzle games and, and, and the, I'm, I'm beginning to get excited around kind of Tetris derivative type of games. Like, like what you're describing, we, we had the same thing with silver and gold. Um, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I heard you guys talk about that. I'm still, it's still on my list. I've been Ooh, you got it. You got to get, and you can often find it for like six or eight bucks bucks. when it comes on sale. I play, I play with the six-year-old all the time. She really really likes playing with it. Maybe your seven-year-old might love it. You like Tetris shapes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds fun. (laughs) Let me think of another one. Um, We also really like Sushi Roll. Have you played Sushi Roll? We haven't. We have Sushi Go Party, but we've not played Sushi Roll. So it's very similar, except for instead of cards, you have dice to roll. So you're passing and you might get like three Makis or two Makis or one Maki. So it's like chance in figuring out, well, I do need, you know, the blue dice or, you know, I do need to, to get sashimi, but this is a bad sashimi to get. 
and you're like always passing and you're hoping that other people roll poorly so that you get to collect the good ones. <laughs> and yeah, I think it's a little bit more fun and like add is, adds an extra element to sushi go. No, no, we, we, we've, we've long loved all the sushi derivatives. We'll have to maybe give that one a try. Yeah. Yeah. We don't eat sushi, but we play sushi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It definitely takes up more room on the shelf, but I think it's worth it. So pivoting away from the games, um, talking a little bit about maybe some preconceived notions. Have, were you always thinking of homeschooling when you, you know, had your, your son, um, when he was young, were you always planning on homeschooling or was that just an idea on the cards? You know, what was your thinking around there? And did you have any preconceived notions around homeschooling that might have changed? Yeah. So I was not always thinking okay. of homeschooling. Um, when he was young, cause I had him fairly young. Um, and I was going back to school to become a teacher. So I did end up fin- finishing that degree, but by the time I finished it, I realized that like, he probably wouldn't excel as much as he could at home. I think by learning what they do in a classroom and we read a book about teaching gifted kids in today's classroom and everything. And it's Mm -hmm. just like, it really solidified. And then I just had to tell my husband about it, but I think it already fit really well with our lifestyle. Like I was already staying at home. So Mm -hmm. it was, it wasn't a big transition. It was just you know, we just added something to do instead of playing a game. Maybe we have a little bit more structured time and stuff. And I started homeschooling them kind of as like an experiment before because they didn't have to be homeschooled or like in public school till five. But I started more at like three when they were interested and then realized like, oh, this is really working. And then, you know, it just kind of evolved from there. We did. We did the same. We started with the torchlight and blossom and root and um, early. Um, when they were kind of like, quote unquote, in preschool. And, you know, our plan was to homeschool, but we, you know, it was always nice to test the waters to see if it worked. (laughs) Um, Did you, so did you have, talk a little bit about you becoming a homeschooling person. Was that a big change in in your psyche? And, you know, did you have to make any changes in your, you know, your own thinking and the way you handled things to be, I find patience is a big thing that I've had to learn um, Mm -hmm. and, and kind of just be relaxing a little bit more. Um, I tend to be a little bit more high strung on these type of things because I want it to go faster than it is. <laughs> and, yeah. yeah. Um, what, what was the, were there some challenges for you to overcome when you started homeschooling? Yeah, I think so a little bit different than you, I, maybe the other side of the coin to that. I, okay. I was always really into like gentle parenting and um, like attachment parenting. Like I nursed them for a long time. They co-slept for a long time. I was always there, like just always, you know, just, and it just seemed like really natural and we were really flexible with it, probably too flexible. I think it's been harder for me to transition to being more consistent because I've really learned that, especially with skill subjects, like you really have to be consistent with it. You know, Mm -hmm. it's just, at least for my family, I guess I don't want to speak for everybody, but definitely things like math and learning to read or even things like music or foreign language, all the things that take like skill, like even if it's just like five minutes a day, practicing makes perfect. And I think I always struggled with that. I was way more relaxed, (laughs) probably too relaxed. Just like, oh, he's, you know, 
doing this creative fun thing. He can do this all day. And like, yeah, I think that works most of the time. And probably all the unschoolers are getting mad at me right now. But I think for me, (laughs) it's like, I realized that, you know, we need a little bit more than what I was naturally giving, I guess, for both me and my husband's to be like comfortable and stuff, I guess. Is that a, a little bit of a, uh, even more so now that you're in Maryland that requires a little bit more structure and your reporting and whatnot, has that fed into your homeschool in some way where maybe you have to keep a planner or you have to keep, you know, a binder full of information or, or reports or whatever. Is that something that is further impacting or changing how you homeschool? Yeah, it's, yeah, I think I like squeezed by this year for the most part, our, our unit, uh, not our unit, but our like county is doing it a little bit differently, but I imagine next year it'll go back to like portfolio. And then I'm really going to have to think about them writing things down more. Cause I don't know if they'll want a worksheet that is done by, you know, me <laughs> or, you know, looks like it's done by me. Cause I'm the one writing it type of thing. So I'm probably going to have to get them to just do a couple worksheets for the semester or something to prove that they're <laughs> working towards it, you know, but, um, as well as there's more subjects like that are required. I haven't had to worry about health before. And now I'm going to have to kind of think about how to, I think it can be more relaxed, but I feel better if I have, you know, all of my ducks in a row and I won't be <laughs> caught off guard or anything. Are there any unique testing requirements in Maryland that you know of? No. So you don't have to test. I asked my son, they allow you to test with the public school. And I asked him if he wanted to do it. I was like, you really, you don't have to do it. Um, and he wants to, so we'll see how that goes, but he's, he is weird. We just did a math competition test too, with math kangaroo. Have you guys heard of that? Uh, No. So it's like, um, yeah, it's like math competition that goes all the way from like kindergarten to, I think it goes all the way up to 12th, but I could be wrong. It might just be elementary, but, um, it's just like a 70 minute test and they, we haven't gotten the results yet. We just took it like two weeks ago and they said it takes like two months to get the results. So I don't know if they're going to rank people or just tell them what they could do better at this age or what he was really excited about that. I did a lot of math competitions, not that young, but like in middle school and stuff. And he seems to like it as well. Yeah. That's very interesting. I'll have to look at that. I, I, I kind of liked the it was a, I was a math team person. I'm going to admit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, that would be, uh, that that's interesting. I'd love to love to check that out. So you were talking about the, the things that you've changed, uh, the way that you've had to kind of be more structured in things and, you know, kind of getting back to, to what Matt was going after to when you started homeschooling, what did you, what did you think about homeschoolers and, you know, and how has that changed? Not only the way you teach changed, but, but your thoughts around this community now that you're a part of it and didn't, didn't expect to be. But yeah, I didn't have much. uh, Yeah. I didn't have much experience with homeschoolers in high school. I went to like a kind of like an elite math and science center type of situation. And one person there was previously homeschooled and then went there And I thought he was very awkward at first. (laughs) So, um, but he was really my only experience. And um, 
but that being said, you know, by like two weeks in, he was the most popular guy there. So I don't think probably if in that age, if I would have went to a homeschool group, I would have been the awkward one, you know? So, but yeah, so I think before I was a little bit nervous about social stuff and now, now it just doesn't seem to matter to me. I would much rather have my kids be able to make friends really easily. I think there's a big, I don't know, like when we go to a regular park where like after school is out, or if we go to a homeschool meetup at a park, it's just way easier to make friends. And maybe that's because I have the weird kids now, you know, (laughs) but it's just so much more like relaxing that I don't, it doesn't bother. Like, even if they are weird, I think that's fine. I mean, they're around other people all the time and they have that. So I think my perspective has just changed. I'm like, what actually matters in life, you know, (laughs) does. So I don't know. Oh, no, absolutely. No, it's, it's, it's definitely a concern, you know, getting out, especially after COVID, I think it's been the big thing. Um, yeah. you know, the mask came down finally here in, uh, Washington and, um, you know, it seems like there's been a blossoming in the classroom. A lot of teachers are really excited. Kids are a lot more excited. And mm-hmm. I think there's just more interaction. I think it's been a, yeah. a good thing. Even at the park and things we've noticed. Yeah, we, it. we have. I think it's, it's really natural to be, you know, concerned about the social aspects, even though I mean, we plan to homeschool, um, when we were still dating. So this is how long this has been in the works. Uh, and even we were like a long time ago, lady. Yeah, it was, <laughs> uh, we, you know, even we were like, we need to be prepared for this because, you know, yeah. we don't want to raise socially awkward kids and how, and how do we, because that is such a common stigma for homeschoolers that they're going to be weird in some way. Um, and not that weird is bad, right. Nerds rule the world right, right now, but, yeah. but, you know, we, we, we also don't want to, and we never wanted to hinder our children. Sure. And because we've made this decision, it has this has a negative impact on their life. We want it to only be a positive impact. And I think it's it, it is it is a struggle. It is a hard thing. And I even watch when our kids interact with um, our older daughter, especially when she interacts with other people, strangers and stuff at the store mm-hmm. and things. I'm always like like watching, you know, today we went and dropped our car off and the uh, guy at the service center asked my daughter, he goes, Oh, you know, were you not feeling well today? Cause you're, you're off school. And she goes, Oh no, no, I'm homeschooled. And he goes, Oh, and I was kind of just waiting. Was he going to make some comment about, Oh, she's not awkward. Or, you know, I was, I was kind of waiting for this to happen. And he was like, great decision. Yeah. <laughs> we were like, Oh, okay. You know, but I'm always watching and, and trying to gauge. And I'm wondering if the more people homeschool and the more mainstream it is now, especially after COVID, everybody seems to know homeschoolers that didn't before. Right. Uh, is it, are we going to even let go of some of this stigma? I feel like I still hold yeah. that stigma in my heart and I'm a homeschooler that right, I just yeah. <laughs> it still worries me, even though I, I purport to say it, you know, of course our kids are fine. They're going to be social. And we, you know, we have plans for this. I still kind of I don't know. It's, it's hard to think to let those preconceptions go, you know, and, and not worry about it. So I, yeah. I, I like that you're, you're not worrying. Cause I, I still do kind of like it's, it lingers in the back of my mind, you know, because it's it stuck around for so long. That's the image. It's a, a super religious, awkward homeschoolers that, right, yeah. you know, can't function in society as adults. Like that's not what we want to raise. Yeah. Right. I think, yeah, I recently went to a different homeschool group and it was, um, it was on base. So most, 
Yeah, I would say most um, military people are fairly conservative and religious. So that was definitely, I think all the kids got along fine, but there was a lot of awkwardness, I think, from me <laughs> and the, talking with the parents and stuff. So I think it's, no matter what, it's hard as like a secular homeschooler too, to kind of find sure. probably less hard where you're at for sure. Cause yeah, you know, it's, we, we do have a lot of secular homeschoolers out here in Western Washington. We, we've even marveled at that. When we first moved out here, we were surprised at how many homeschooling co-ops um, that were non-religious affiliated were here. And then there's always been a yeah. kind of a, a history of, of kind of, you know, secular homeschooling out in, in the West coast. Um, and that's been mm-hmm. something that's been around for a while, but yeah, it, it must be, it could be a challenge, you know, especially if your kids are interacting with other kids that, you know, may have different curriculums and stuff it might be more of an issue going forward, you know, when they're like maybe talking about what they're learning about and stuff like that. But um, you, you talked about how your, your son is, you know, a couple levels ahead. This is something that Ariel and I have talked about a few times too, is that, you know, our girl, our, our oldest now is starting, you know, because we go all year round and, you know, we just, you know, you just chip away at these curriculums, you end up moving faster than you would anticipate, you know, in a, in a regular public school or even a private school. And we're starting to get to that point that where our oldest can't go to public school because she's going to, she'll have to go ahead in a year, right? Her math and reading mm-hmm. will be ahead. Right. You know, yeah. is that a, I know you've talked about maybe going the distance, but is there's always that lingering concern about them getting, you know, really far ahead. It, are you planning to go you know, all the way with homeschooling, or is there always that lingering chance that you might go back into some educational environment? Yeah, I think we're definitely leaving um, possibilities open. Okay. Um, but yeah, I would say it's hard for me to even picture it. I would say above academics even is lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So being like having to follow a strict like public school, um, like routine and schedule would be extremely hard, especially like if my husband is coming back from deployment, I want to be there (laughs) and be there as long as possible and hang out with them whenever we can, you know? So academics, I could see an environment where maybe I would find a really unique school that would kind of do all the things that I want. That's really independent and fosters them to learn at their own level and like explore projects and stuff. But things that I've seen like that are cost prohibitive. So I'm not, (laughs) I kind of don't think it'll happen. Um, But right now they also don't have interest in that. I'm, if they start like asking about public school or anything, then I'm sure we'll have to talk about it. But in my head, I don't see us even really considering it until middle school or high school. Um, And even that I, I wouldn't think that we would do that at this point, but you know, who knows what's in the future? Well, yeah, our biggest deterrent for our six, almost seven-year-old is going to be, uh, we, we, I just point out at the bus set that goes by at seven 30 outside every morning. I'm like, that's what you'll have to catch kid. And she's like, oh, yeah. that's it. I'm, I'm back to homeschooling. I'm good. No. It's, <laughs> you know, it's so funny go. though. We're talking about being a forward, a couple of levels. Cause we've, we've yeah. talked about that. It, yeah. You know, when our kids are young and they're in early elementary, there's a lot of runway for that. Right. It so, mm-hmm. oh, I have a second grader who's doing fifth grade math. Okay. At some point though, that, that runway is going to run out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And, yeah. You know, I don't know if you've, if you've kind of thought ahead a little bit, um, we're starting to have the same thought experiment about, you know, where, where are we going to go? Cause at some point, you know, there's, there's not good texts available when you get past, 
basic high school math, right? Like it's then it's right. then it's all college level text. Have you given any thought to kind of what you'll do if they continue to move so far ahead? Yeah. So yeah, math is definitely the tricky one. When we lived in Georgia, they allowed you to do um to kind of enroll in a college for free, like as um just like public school is able to do that mm-hmm. there. Here, I don't think that's an option. So that was always my thought um, before, I guess. Um, There are like different avenues to take in math, you know, like you can always do a full year on statistics or Hmm. go into trig more, do calc one and calc two. I mean, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So there's definitely things I would imagine though, at a certain point, it'll be college classes, whether that's online or in person or you know, depending on yeah. what they want to do at a certain point, you know, I don't use my calc, uh, <laughs> studying in the day to day, but I haven't had to use my different, my differential equations in a long yeah, time. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, no, we've, we've taken a lot of math and engineering and I don't use most of it. No. Um, right. and I guess I wonder if we're able to take AP, I wonder if we're able to sign our kids mm. up for AP, AP exams. I, I would imagine you can, because, yeah. you know, if that's the case, then, you know, you can always teach it and get college credit for it, which would be something, but yeah, yeah I am always true. worried about that, that kind of that, that runway at some point it's, but like, I, I like what you're saying too. You could go into statistics, you could go into economics, you could do some other things once they've yeah. covered all of the high school bases. Um, yeah. Cause I'm just thinking uh, if we continue with this velocity, yeah. our current velocity, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to run out. Ahead, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Cause I know, um, cause like I said, I did the, this like math and science center program, but it was a bunch of schools in the County that all fed into it. And there was only a couple of schools that let you take like geometry, I think in eighth grade. So they were a little bit advanced and then eventually they ended up taking a full year of statistics so that we could all take calculus together, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. it was all they had like other things to kind of push people into if they got ahead in certain things and stuff. So, so speaking of, of ahead and, and thinking of, you know, the future, what, what challenges are you kind of foreseeing coming up in the next few, few years? Is there something that you you're kind of have in the back of your mind that you're concerned about that you're preparing for? I mean, we've, we've certainly have our own that we're thinking of, you know, how are we going to juggle two kids? What are we going to do when mm-hmm. she taps out of math? Those kind of questions. Is there, are there other concerns that you kind of have in the future that you're keeping an eye on? Yeah, I think one concern, I guess that I just always have is I don't know where we're going to live in the future. <laughs> so knowing kind of how, like, for example, here, uh, we could be here for less than a year, or we could be here potentially for 10 years, you know, and we'll find out that soon. And some of it is really weird because of my husband's unique situation. Most things aren't that crazy, but, um, so I think a lot of it has to do with that, (laughs) just like questioning, like, how are we going to do this and stuff? But, um, I would say right now, like my current struggle and like thought and probably what will be on my mind for a while is how to, as far as like assigned reading goes, I don't want to make my kids read a bunch of books that they don't like right now. My current philosophy is if I want them to read a book, I'm going to read it out loud and they have full opportunities to pick whatever they want while we silent read. Um, and right now it's working. However, there's so many great books in the world (laughs) and a lot of families do have, you know, 
type of reading lists and everything, but I also don't want to hinder my kids' love of reading. So that's kind of my current struggle as far as that goes, as well as helping as my daughter gets more advanced right now, she only does a couple of things. So adding her more into our day is going to be a little bit difficult and balancing them because I tend to like really uh, teacher intensive curriculums. I say always like, like academically rigorous, but implemented in a gentle way, you know, where it's just like stories or um, where playing games or something like that, but it's really advanced. I think something like Michael Clay Thompson is a good example of that. Mm-hmm. But, um, but anyway, so all those things take time. So figuring out exactly what's the best use of my time. Is it doing this curriculum? Is it signing up for co-ops? Is it doing, I think it's just, I think it's a struggle I'll always have is trying to balance what is worth the time and what is not, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Picking the right resources and knowing that your kids are going to like them and that you're going to get the, you know, desired result out of whatever resource you choose. I, I kind of feel like I'm constantly, I'm thinking like, yeah, this is what I'm going to do next year. Ooh, shiny. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, or, you know, yeah, I think this looks really good. Is my kid really going to like this? Is this, is this going to give the base level understanding that I want them to get? And, Mm -hmm. and how much time do I sign Matt up for? (laughs) because I buy the curriculum and he teaches it. So sometimes, you know, he's like, so how much work is this one? (laughs) I'm the the full-time teacher on contract. You just do do whatever you guys do. Right. So I I totally hear what you're saying. And and I, I think that that's, um, those are worries that I share is too. It's like, we want to give our kids the world and we have the power. Mm -hmm. We can study whatever we want. We can purchase whatever books we Mm -hmm. want. And there's, it's like, um, it's analysis paralysis almost yeah. to me sometimes with moving, especially now that we're in like really close to DC and Baltimore and even fairly close to like Philadelphia and New York city and stuff. It's like, well, maybe we need to shift to what we're learning right now. Like this is a perfect opportunity to, opportunity to do more like American history as opposed to around the world. Mm-hmm. But it's like, mm-hmm. if I just put that on the back burner, like when am I getting back to that? You know? So it's like, <laughs> It's hard to figure it out. Yeah, it can be really challenging. Well, yeah, you know, we're we're always looking for that kind of wisdom and and everything, and you know, looking forward into the future. You have a lot of experience. Do you have any wisdom you can pass on to maybe some young families who are just starting right now? Yeah, I would. I would say a thing that took me a while to like really understand how important it was was because everybody talks about teaching to how your kid learns. And I think I, I think that can get overwhelming sometimes. I think the best curriculum is a done one. (laughs) So I think it's equally important to teach to how you like to teach, how you're going to, you know, obviously within reason, if your kids are just like eyes glassing over and not being able to pay attention, but if it takes all you got to use all the little math manipulatives, then maybe, you know, get one that you, it's like easy and fun for you. You know what I mean? And I think that took a while for me to realize, like, I'm a person that also <laughs> has needs. <laughs> <and> <laughs> You're part of this equation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's great advice. You know, we do, we do talk all about 
learning styles so much. Yeah. And, you know, is your kid an auditory learner or visual learner, kinesthetic? And, and so that can put a lot of pressure on you to find the curriculum that's perfect for them, but it may not really be perfect for you. And if, if you can't yeah. teach it or don't feel comfortable or feel, or feel stressed about, about yeah. teaching it, then that's probably not a good choice either. There, there's probably some sort of middle ground. So before we close out and say goodbye, could you tell us a little bit about the Love Learning Everyday YouTube channel? Yeah. So yeah, I started the YouTube channel when I started homeschooling. So there's a ton of content on there for sure. But I basically share everything um, curriculum wise, a lot of like book hauls and board game stuff, as well as like homeschool updates with how um, homeschool is really going, you know, because uh, I think a lot of times you can just see like a lot of great inspiration all the time and it can be overwhelming <laughs> to not yes, can be. see any of the bad stuff. But yeah, I, I just try to share anything and everything like resource wise and homeschooling wise there. Yeah. It's, it's funny when uh, you reached out to me because I was like, yeah. oh, I've watched you. <laughs> I've seen this before. You've got some great videos. So we really encourage our listeners yeah, to check it out. Look down in the show notes and you'll see uh, a link to Kaylee's YouTube uh, because it's really fantastic. We, uh, we, I was reading it before I even knew who you were. So nice. <laughs> Thank you. That's so nice. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. This was great. It was a great discussion and uh, we loved having you. Yeah. Thank you so much. It was nice being here. Thanks so much for joining us today and making us a part of your homeschool journey. Please engage with us on social media. Join our Homeschool Together podcast group on Facebook and find us at Homeschool Together podcast on Instagram. We'd love to hear your feedback, questions, and recommendations. Until next time. Happy homeschooling!